Mabuhay Hug Madayaw. Welcome to another episode of our JIB5 podcast. Previously, we've talked about the thoughtful traveler and started our discussion on doing business in another country. We have finished our discussion on getting down to business, trade shows, before you go, customs and culture, and as well as sex, politics, and religion. In today's episode, we will continue our discussion on doing business in another country. To start off today's episode, let's talk about using translators and interpreters. Well, on most cases, English will be often used in international business dealings, but there may be times where your negotiation or conversation or the meeting proper will be conducted in the host language of the country you are visiting. Unless you are fluent in their language, but oftentimes you're not, you'll want an interpreter present. And even though you are fluent in the country's language, it is still recommended to get an interpreter. The word interpreter usually brings to mind those phenomenal men and women who translate as the speaker speaks, their words following at a fast clip. Known as simultaneous translators, they are not the kind of interpreter the average business person uses. More wildly, used are consecutive interpreters who speak after the speaker has completed a few sentences to make sure you get what you bargained for. Use only professional translators. To avoid a conflict of interest, make sure that they are in your employ, not hired by your counterpart. Ask for recommendations from friends who have done business in your destination or see whether your company can handle the hiring. These are the things you need to prepare before the meeting. To let your interpreter get acquainted with your way of speaking, spend some time with her beforehand. These will also help you to gouge whether your interpreter's English is idiomatic. Go over the agenda for the meeting and make sure she can handle technical as well as business terms. Prepare visual aids if possible to clarify and reinforce your and your translator's spoken words. Use both languages or charts and graphs which can also serve later as confirmation of what you said. Acquaint your interpreter with the visual aids before the meeting. Also, make sure to let your interpreter know the appropriate dress for the occasion. If you think she should wear business clothes, say so. In general, your interpreter's clothing should be subdued and unobstructive. It is you not she who's the center of attention. If the occasion is formal, ask her to wear formal dress. For a male interpreter, ask him to wear black tie attire or at least a dark suit. At the meeting, 
the translator is usually seated at the table between the two major players who need her, for example, you and your host. On more formal occasions, such as a dinner, she will sit slightly behind them. Although she does not expect to join you in eating dinner, see to it that she has meal either before of or after the occasion. When you speak through an interpreter, many of the same rules apply as when you speak English with non-native speaker. Speak slowly and distinctly. Avoid slang and regionalisms. And watch the host for signs that he's tuning out. Always address the listener, not the interpreter. Keep your sentences short and speak only a few before stopping for translation. Intermittently, ask your host whether he is clear about what you're saying or has any questions. Be expressive as you speak and show concentration as you listen. Smile, but don't tell jokes. Despite your interpreter's best efforts, you more rarely translate as well. Don't interrupt your interpreter, but also don't hesitate to stop the meeting to ask her about anything that isn't clear to you. When the meeting is over, have the interpreter go over what was said and her impressions of your counterpart's reactions. Also, ask her about anything you did not understand. Finally, draft and circulate to all participants a report in English of the conclusions or agreements reached during the meeting. One of the most popular questions we get to ask is whether to translate correspondence such as letters or email. In most cases, you won't need a translation for your English language correspondence with an overseas organization. Many businessmen who wouldn't trust themselves to negotiate with you in English verbally are perfectly able to read and understand your letters and to answer them in English. When you do need a translator for your business letters, make sure you hire a true professional. One who can convey your meaning, not one who will merely translate words literally from one language to another. Moving on, another important thing we need to know when doing business in another country are the differences in dress. Whether the adage, clothes make the man, holds true today is debatable. But clothes do reveal the businessman and businesswoman. Until you've visited a country a few times and know the dress code, dress conservatively. For men, a dark suit and dark tie are safe bets. And white shirts are the prevailing choice in most countries. Although the buttoned-up look may not appeal to you, you discard it at your own risk and the risk of your business. For women, sticking to the traditional dress code is key and on the modest side at that. Digging deeper, let's talk about the men's clothing. First, 
check with your host to see whether it is appropriate for you to wear the traditional garment. If you get the go-ahead, don't scar your hometown in search, in search for such shirts. Wear your own white shirt until you have the chance to buy some local garb. In warmer climates, men can wear light-colored suits. For cool comfort, do as the natives do. In Singapore, for example, men wear long-sleeve shirts and carry their jackets in case of over-air-conditioned rooms. In Latin American countries, on the other hand, men wear loose shirts called guyaberas, which are not tucked in, and in some Asian countries have similar comfortable regulations dressed for men. Ties or neckties, too, can be problematic. In England, if you wear striped tie, there's the chance you could be sporting some Englishman's old school tie. In other countries, certain colors are inappropriate, such as white, for example, is a color symbolic for mourning. To be safe, stick to dark, solid colors. For women's clothing, businesswomen should generally choose conservative suits and dresses and sensible shoes with medium height heels. Skirts and dresses should not go far above the knee in Western countries. In other countries, keep the hemline below the knee and avoid sleeveless blouses and tops, as well as scoop neck or other low necklines. Avoid excessive flushy, or in destinations where it may be an issue, overtly religious jewelry, and keep your cosmetics understated as well. Note to remember, or be cautious about, acceptability of slacks for women varies from country to country. Now let's talk about dining and drinking when doing business in another country. Whether you are the guest or the host, be prompt. As the host, make arrangements in advance. If you need help finding a suitable restaurant, ask for the hotel concierge assistance. When ordering dinner or wine, you may ask your guests if they can suggest local specialties. When invited to someone's home, Send flowers or take along a box of fine chocolates. During the meal, do as your mother told you when she said to pick up the same fork your hostess does. In other words, always watch your native host or guest and follow his example. If you're traveling to China or Japan, you should learn to handle chopsticks. In Middle Eastern countries, on the other hand, Never eat with your left hand, which is considered unclean. If you find yourself being served with a strange dish anywhere, eat it whether or not you like it or even know what it is. One travel expert suggests that you never ask what animal the dish came from. It's easier to down a ship's eyeball when it remains unidentified. Let's talk about toasting. Except in Muslim countries, drinking usually accompanies dining. 
and drinking calls for toasting. Remember that if you are a non-drinker, this is one time that your host should show his understanding. It's perfectly fine to toast with a drink that is non-alcoholic. For occasions that are somewhat formal, you should have a toast prepared in advance unless you're an accomplished extemporaneous speaker. Make it short and gracious, acknowledging the hospitality of your host. Wherever you are, etiquette calls for the host to make the first toast, so you can take your cue from him. Don't attempt a humorous toast. It could be misunderstood or considered in bad taste. When drinking informally, you may be expected to utter a short one-word or one-phrase toast such as avoter santé in France, or just santé or health. It means health in English. In Germany, you can say prosit, means the same. Americans unaccustomed to toasting may find themselves drinking more than they intended, so beware. Lastly, it's all about gift, or gifting when you're doing business in another country. Any gifts to your host should be tasteful but not too expensive. Moreover, they should be fitting. What you give or send to the host who has entertained you one evening in his home is not what you should give a department head who has spent one or two days attending your presentations, introducing you to her colleagues and arranging meetings for you. To the former, you might bring fresh flowers or a box of fine chocolates. To the latter, you should give a more lasting present, one from your country, or better yet, from your town or city. It is acceptable to send it after you return home. The more you research the custom of your host country and his or her individual taste, the more likely you are to select a gift that successfully conveys your appreciation. That's all for today's episode. Thank you for listening and see you on the next one.